New Vision is a church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and it is passionate about people getting in the scripture. Thank you for joining us as we step into this scripture reading through the book of Galatians. Day seven with campus pastor, Buchanan campus pastor, Ben Curtis, back by popular demand, a fan favorite, not just your family, but <laughs> many, many church members said how much they enjoy your teaching. Thank you for coming back with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Today you are reading, what are you reading? You're reading uh, Galatians three nineteen. Yes. Uh, and all the way through chapter four, verse seven. That's correct. Uh, before we hop into that, I do I do have a... Uh, uh, want to talk to you a little bit about creativity yes something that i have very little of which uh, is which is exactly why we're talking about it because i don't agree with you there i believe that we all are creative we are all just creative in different ways yes so you know somebody uh, uh might be very creative in processes or strategy or art or songwriting or whatever you know so i think that we all have uh, uh, specific giftings in which we are creative and can exercise those gifts. You know, Nick is good with words. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You're great with podcast devotionals. Okay. You're creative there. What okay. else you got? What personal ministry? Talk yeah. To us. So I'm, I mean, I'm pretty good at uh, details. I'm kind of the yeah. process guy. I think, um, I think I, I struggle on the, from the art artist standpoint, mm. I struggle with that side of creativity, but I can take, uh, usually something and improve upon it, uh, look for ways to make a process better. Uh, so I kind of have an organizational mind, a detailed mind yeah. in that regard, and I guess that's creativity. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. I mean, you know, there are many artists who can create something beautiful but not know how to organize it or get it to a place where it's seen or heard. Or uh, So, I mean, you know, we all need each other. I think that's kind of the idea with uh, creativity and with – uh, this time is just to see how we're all gifted. You know, there, there are people in our church that may be gifted to have a ministry that you and I have no even con no concept of even how to, to uh, 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 that, that it's an option out there, you know. So I, I just uh, I guess the time of, of people talking about their creati creativity is hopefully a, a chance for our listeners to uh, dream for themselves. Absolutely. In the process, I know? was just talking to a member yesterday about what God's plan for them looks like. And so so many people in my communication, they're thinking outside of the box and how can we reach folks? How can we do ministry? Right. And it's, uh, it's very cool. It's yeah. Especially, thing. you know, right now we have the coronavirus stuff. We're all quarantined yep. except for you and I, yep. um, uh, right now we're quarantined together now for yep. two weeks. Um, but outside of that, you know, <laughs> that was a joke. I was, we're locked in. Yeah. I mean, the door's in, locked. Yeah, right. We're, we're here for yep. two weeks. Yeah. Um, family, we love you. Uh, so, sorry. So you're reading, what, what translation are you reading out of? <laughs> I'm going to read out of the NIV. All right. Well, do you want to go ahead and do that? Sure. All right. So we'll begin in uh, chapter 3, verse 19 of Galatians. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so that what was promised, being given through faith in Jesus Christ, 
might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. So there is so much here to unpack. And what I'm going to do is just focus on chapter 4, 1 through 7, uh, in the hopes that that will kind of help explain some of the previous verses. Um, but here's an interesting fact. Uh, I was actually an accident. Uh, even though I was the firstborn, uh, my mom and my dad, they were struggling with infertility. They did not think that they could have kids. And so my mom and dad were actually in the process. They had already filed paperwork to adopt. And in the middle of that process, they find out that they're having me. And uh, they wanted to continue to adopt, but at the time there was a law, there was a rule where they couldn't do that. But needless to say, adoption is important to our family because my mom's sister ended up adopting, and uh, Caitlin is now in college. And adoption is also important because of the fact that we all come into God's family that's, that way. That's the only way that we become children of God. So I want us to think about this imagery of adoption. You know, imagine now an older girl who maybe she's finally been adopted by a family and she's fearful that she would never be adopted, but now there's this family that wants her. So she comes with the family, she comes home. So the judge has already made this declaration, you're their child, but she's not learned to live in light of that reality just yet. So she comes home and there's this freshly painted room, there's new furniture, there's books, there's stuffed animals. Then one morning when her parents go to wake her up, she says, hey, look at how clean I've kept my room. Can I stay? And the parents don't think, man, this is a good deal. We've got a clean room here. Those parents actually leave the room and they weep. Why would they do that? Because they wanted a messy room? No, a clean room is great, of course. But, but thinking that a clean room is how you stay in the family, that's tragic. And what they want that child to know is you're our child. We adopted you. It doesn't matter what you do. And the first time that that child doesn't clean their room, you know, the parents are going to probably high five one another. Why? What's the difference? Well, because the judge has already made a declaration. But when she first got home, she thought she had to earn her keep as if it was some sort of a servitude. She was not yet embracing her new family status. You're loved because you're our child. 
And so in the same way as we look at these verses, the gospel is a journey from slavery to sonship. And the main idea is that God wants to take me and to take you. He wants to take us on a gospel journey from the exhaustion and the insecurity of slavery to the freedom and to the joy of sonship. So he says in verses 1 through 2, basically, listen to life. And he gives us this real-life example, this illustration. He says, what I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. So, so it's this real-life illustration. You have this big inheritance to look forward to, but, but you know, when you're still a minor, you're not able to experience all the privileges that come with that. That's the way life works. We know that. And Paul is using this illustration to ultimately point us to the bigger picture of the gospel. He's saying, look, this is how it was under the old covenant. There was an inheritance promised, but it wasn't until Christ came that we really began to enjoy the, all the privileges of that inheritance. And, and so what he's going to do, this illustration in verses 1 through 2, actually point us to something greater in verses 3 through 5. So listen now to the gospel story. He says, so also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. So he's saying to us, listen, life without Jesus is enslavement. Before Christ, we were, we were enslaved to a lie. You know, we, we've been talking in Galatians about false teaching and uh, legalism. We've been talking about uh, Judaism. But, you know, for us, it could just be moralism. You know, this idea of do your best and, and God will do the rest. But, but the point is we were enslaved. Anything that would keep us from seeing and believing the truth of the gospel, that was enslavement. He says in verse 4, but when the set time had fully come. So God sent Jesus at the perfect time, the right time. You know, you can look at history. The Roman Empire had established peace and had developed roads that could be used to spread the gospel. Most of the world at this time had a common language, Koine Greek, and, and that's actually what the New Testament was written in. And so God is a God who has perfect timing in our lives. I think we need to know that. He has a plan, and His plan is always on time. And here's the gospel. God sent his son, born of a woman. So he had to become like us. He was born of a woman. He was born under the law, just like us, except that he kept the law, whereas we haven't. And he did this in order to redeem those who were under the law. So that word redeem uh, is ex agora. It means to, to buy you out of the slave market. Uh, he did this so that we might receive adoption to sonship. So Christ has not only brought us from slave to free, but he's also brought us from being orphans to being children in his family. You know, there are no natural-born children in God's family except for Jesus Christ. And so every one of us, we have to be adopted. You have to be born again. But the thing is, we not only need to know about these things in our head, we need to experience them. And so God wants me to take a gospel journey from that insecurity, from that exhaustion of living my life as a slave to the freedom and to the joy of sonship. So, so he says, listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart. Uh, the, the whole section of Galatians parallels, if you remember back to our Roman series, Romans chapter 8, I want you to listen to verse 6 now uh, in, in Galatians. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, where did God send his spirit? If you read the text there, it says into our hearts, not our brains. 
God wants us to know these things in our head, of course, but God wants us to experience the fullness of being a child. It's, it's this gospel journey, and He wants you to take it. You know, Alistair Begg, I really like something that he said about these verses. He said that, that our sonship is secured by our redemption and our adoption, but then our sonship is assured by the Holy Spirit. So God wants us to experience this relationship with Him as a child would to a father. And He doesn't want us just to know about verses 1 through 5, but He wants to send His Spirit into our hearts so that we can experience it and so that we can feel it. Listen, listen to the truth of God's Word in verse 7. You, so you who are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are His child, God has also made you an heir. So this is God's Word defining you, saying you are no longer a slave, but you are a son. And if you are a son, then you're an heir through God. You know, as you read that verse, fill in the blank, I'm no longer a slave to blank, whatever that may be. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm an heir. And God wants me to take that gospel journey from being just exhausted and being insecure in this slavery uh, to the freedom and to the fullness and to the joy of being a son or a daughter in God. But this is so hard. You know, I'm going to end with this story. For years, John Wesley was a theological student. He was a scholar. He was an ordained clergy. And he would go and help serve prisoners. He would take food to children in the slums. Uh, he fasted, he prayed, he studied the Bible all the time. He just worshiped consistently. And he even served as a missionary from England to Georgia. But he came back from Georgia after serving as a missionary there. And when he gets back, this is what he writes. He says, I who went to America to convert others came to the point where I realized that I myself was never converted to God. Is it possible to do all of those things, to read and to study and to pray and to fast and worship and maybe even go and serve as a missionary and yet not be truly a child of God? After his conversion experience, he looks back on that time before he was converted, and this is what he writes. He said, then I had the faith of a servant, but not the faith of a son that I now have. So let me just ask you this question today as we close. What kind of faith do you have? Do you have that of a servant trying to check off all the boxes and trying to get things right in your life so that you'll have favor with God by doing all those things? Or do you have the faith of a son? Because when you've been adopted, you now have a new identity before God, and you enjoy intimacy with God, and you are guaranteed an inheritance from God. Ben, thank you so much for taking the time today. Really appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. Um, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.